0: welcome to it's all political the san francisco chronicles political podcast i'm joe Garofoli, the chronicles senior political writer and today on the podcast we're talking about kamala harris running for president what has she done in the senate and what was her record as california's attorney general and san francisco's district attorney that could help her or hurt her when she runs for president To answer those questions. Today in the podcast, we have Tal Copen, the Chronicles Washington correspondent, who covers Harris regularly and wrote a big piece on her Senate accomplishments. And we have John Diaz, who has covered Harris ever since before she was a candidate for anything here in San Francisco. And he has reviewed her new book called The Truths We Hold: An American Journey. Kamala Harris running for president next on It's All Political. All, welcome back to It's All Political.
1: Hi, thanks for having me back.
0: One of the first things people are going to look at when they're checking out whether to support Kamala Harris is, what did she do in the Senate? And, and the answer, according to your excellent story in the Chronicle, is not much. Now, how much of that is about her, and how much of that is about just being a freshman of the minority?
1: Arguably, a lot of that has to do with being a freshman and minority. I mean, not that much happens in the Senate to begin with. Uh, Certainly not that much coming from the minority party. And then on top of that, being a freshman, it's hard to move some sort of major signature piece of legislation from that position. You know, there are some things in there that voters will be able to look at as sort of breadcrumbs about what her view of policy is, certainly. I mean, there's the bills that she... Uh, did sort of take ownership over and introduce there's you know her version of sort of middle class and lower class relief uh, through tax credits and sort of cost of living uh, type relief that she, Told me she was quote so damn excited about <laughs> finishing over. It took her almost two years to put that out. Uh, you know, there's a piece of legislation that did pass the Senate last Congress, but would have to start over from from scratch to become law. That's a lot more symbolic, but sort of shows where her mind's at. That was to actually make lynching a federal crime, which it's not. And the Senate has, uh, you know, dozens and over hundreds of times attempted to pass in one way or another and never actually passed. And she brought that piece of legislation with the only two other uh, black senators in the Senate. One is a Republican, uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina. One is Cory Booker of New Jersey. So that passed the Senate. So that was sort of a symbolic victory, even though it didn't become law. It was a big deal. So there are those breadcrumbs uh, that if you're looking at her policy moves, uh, voters can look to.
0: Yeah, I was looking at three things from your story that that I think we're going to hear a lot of on the campaign trail from her. One is she's going to say, I was the first person to sign on to Bernie Sanders, Yes. Medicare for all. The second one, which is, you know, gets her in with the progressives. The second one was she was one of only three Democrats to oppose basically trading in crass terms the dreamers for 25 billion dollars for the wall so she's on record voting against the wall where many of her senate uh, colleagues uh were not and then the other one is the uh working with rand paul republican uh more libertarian republican from kentucky on bail reform which gives her the, the the bipartisan street cred what what do those things tell you about her
1: Let's start with the immigration one because it's sort of interesting. Like you mentioned, there were only three Democrats who voted against that one. And it's not just, it's going to be characterized as sort of DACA for Wall. But it's important to not lose sight of the fact that there were some other things in that bill the Democrats arguably found more objectionable than the Wall, including some cuts to legal immigration. Uh, when it looked like that was going to pass, which I was up here covering, that was going to be a very hard vote for some of those progressive Democrats because. If they could you know, get just enough Republicans that mm. might have passed and they needed every single Democrat to vote for it, it would have been an extremely difficult thing to vote against. It became pretty clear that they weren't going to get enough Republicans. And I sort of remember watching that all unfold on the Senate floor. Kamala Harris was one of the last senators to vote. Once it became pretty clear it wasn't going to need Democrats to pass, She went ahead and voted against it. The other two were, I believe, the New Mexico senators. But the fact remains, when you chalk up all the different 2020 potential candidates in the Senate, she's the one that voted against it and said, this is a deal I'm not willing to make. Uh, Like you mentioned, signing on to Medicare for all, that's not a terribly huge risk to take because that's not going to pass. The working with Rand Paul's very interesting. But again, didn't really go anywhere. So it's sort of, you know, one sort of thing to put in the cupboard and, and point to. But but that vote against immigration reform is significant. And and one other thing is the record of voting against Trump's nominees. Uh, originally, there was sort of a, a, quote unquote, hell no caucus that formed. <laughs> and she is almost at the top of it. I mean, she has one of the highest rates of rejection of Trump's candidate nominees.
0: Yeah, it's 18 to 22, I think, right? Is that what you said? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, what makes her different from the other top Democratic candidates for running for president? Of course, she's is the, likely the only one who will be a woman of color um, in the field. But on policy, are, are there any big differences between her and Sanders and Warren and Booker and Klobuchar maybe and, and uh, Garcetti and go down the line?
1: I think there are going to be a lot of policy things that are, are going to become almost a litmus test in the Democratic primary. So it's hard to say, you know, I mean, you'd have to get, I think, pretty into the weeds to say, you know, this one version of the healthcare care, Medicare for all. I mean, there's some things that the base are going to demand. Uh, and I do think that it's not nothing to be the only woman of color in the pack. In fact, I think that's a pretty significant thing. Uh, and she also has a very interesting life story, right? She's half mm-hmm. Jamaican, half Indian. Uh, mm-hmm. She worked for years and years and years and years as a prosecutor, uh, but now is sort of, you know, also becoming this face of criminal justice reform, of speaking for people of color. So she has sort of an interesting duality to her. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of her colleagues up on, Hill, including her Democratic ones, you know, what was she like as a senator? Many of them pointed to that very unique perspective that she brings to some of those issues, you know, as a prosecutor, as a veteran of law enforcement, but also as a member of communities that have often been targeted by law enforcement. Being able to sort of see those different sides of the issue really give her a sort of unique vantage point from which to talk about some of the things that are really important to that Democratic base.
0: She uses the word fight a lot. Uh, she she used it a lot in her election night speech when she would she as you, uh, write and she writes in the book that she kind of riffed. Yeah. When she learned that uh, Hillary Clinton wasn't going to win. That's right. She said and she and she used it peppers her speech. It, it peppers all of her speeches. Right. What wh- how does that uh, set her apart or, or does it?
1: I think to a certain extent, the base is going to demand a fighter in 2020, Uh, you know, especially because you're running against an incumbent. That's kind of a no brainer. But it is an interesting question. And, And like we said, you know, she said she was sitting there watching returns. She threw out her prepared remarks and she went out and spoke for the heart. And she really emphasized to me that she wanted to be clear that it wasn't a fight against something in her mind. It was a fight for something. And I think that's going to be language you see her use a lot about standing up for something. And so she uses this term fight, but it's sort of, you know, in the, in the context of we're going to fight for our morals, we're going to fight for justice, we're going to fight for transparency, we're going to fight for the things we hold dear. Uh, you know, one of her advisors, this quote didn't end up making it into the story, but Sort of the uh, traditional dichotomy in the Senate is workhorses and show horses. And he said, she's more of a war horse. So that was sort of the way he phrased it.
0: What are her uh, weaknesses? What are her vulnerabilities going to be as a presidential candidate? You know, she, she's a rookie politician, essentially, here. Uh, she, she was spending her career as a uh, district attorney in San Francisco, California attorney general. Often when we'd ask her, you know, tough political questions, she'd say, well, you know, I'm just representing, in that case, representing my client, the state of California, or I can't answer that. I'm, a, you know, as a member of law enforcement, I can't take sides, blah, blah, blah. So what what is she going to be like as a, as a candidate, and how is she different, or is she already kind of lapsing into hacky Washington political speak up there?
1: Well, I think how she answers those questions is going to be key to her trajectory. I mean, the thing is, she may not have a long time in the Senate, but her prosecutorial career from the San Francisco DA's office to the California Department of Justice, she was the boss. And every decision that was made during her tenure and everything that happened during her tenure is going to be scrutinized and looked at. You know, things like declining to prosecute Steven Mnuchin's bank is something you see pop up on social media. There's also a hashtag on Twitter or a way of sort of collecting, you know, like-minded social media posts. That's Kamala Harris is a cop. Uh, This is going to be something that probably is going to be one of the biggest lines of attack against her and how she deflects those questions. You know, I don't know if the voters are going to be satisfied by, I just had to do what was right for California in that instance, or if she's going to have to really grapple with some of these things that happened under her time. Now, you know, that's sort of the trite thing, right? Like how every one of these candidates deals with their baggage is going to be determinative of how voters end up responding to them. But she does have a bit of a liability in the sense that you know, she can't pass the blame off to anyone else under those, you know times that she was atop those offices, At the end of the day, she has to take responsibility for whatever happened and deal with whatever criticism uh, that occurred. And, you know, it's interesting, you saw her writing in her book, almost pre budding some of these. These arguments, especially the notion of being part of law enforcement when you have concerns about police brutality or unjustified police killings, she really wrote a lot about that in her book and, you know, in very stark language about the need to address those issues. So you already see her trying to sort of take on this law enforcement bent to her career that could be a liability.
0: Yeah. And as you say, it's going to be a a tough line to straddle being both a, quote, progressive prosecutor and someone who right. is who talks about Black Lives Matter and who talks about uh, the racism involved in the criminal justice system. So that's gonna be really interesting and I, would, I can't wait to see that road tested in Iowa. All right, Tall, thanks so much. Great having you on. We'll be right back with John Diaz, The Chronicle's editorial page editor who reviewed Kamala Harris's new book, The Truths We Hold, An American Journey, and who has covered her since before she was a candidate for anything. John Diaz, welcome back to It's All Political. Always a
2: pleasure, Joe.
0: So we had a date Saturday night. We sat next to each other at uh, Kamala Harris's appearance at the Curran Theater here in San Francisco. It was a love fest. Um, was it ever? Was it ever? Oh, was my ever? <laughs> I mean, gosh. She, she will never get
2: a friendlier crowd. Uh, I forget how you phrased it in your story. Something like the friendliest of friendlies? Oh, the friendliest. Like?
0: The first question was, uh, the, uh, she was being interviewed by uh, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and the first question was, I know the, the question on everybody's mind is, how do you walk around in those stilettos all the time? And the second question was, you look great on the cover, <laughs> presidential <laughs> on the cover. I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Let, let's put it this
2: way, uh, Joe. I think uh, Mayor Breed needs to keep her day job as mayor of San Francisco. <laughs> she is not a journalist. I mean, almost all of her questions were were, fra- were prefaced with things like, you know, you have shown such amazing leadership <laughs> on fill in the blank.
0: Yes, it was. uh, It was a big. It was a sponge bath. Um, So uh, I I spoke to her. I spoke to her husband uh, Doug in the men's room where I conduct a lot of my uh, in-depth interviews (laughs) beforehand, and he said that they could have sold it out three times. And so there was an audience here for it. Now you read and reviewed the book in the Chronicle, and uh, as we know, Kamala Harris. Any those of us who've covered her and spoken with her for years, she loves the phrase "false choice." It's like uh, something that's not a choice, a binary choice between A and B. She always diffuses things like that. And you wrote, one of her defining traits as a politician is message discipline to the point that she has been accused at times with some justification of being risk averse. So readers of her new memoir, The Truths We Hold, An American Journey, should not be surprised to see an abundance of references to false choices and a certain message discipline. What did you, John Diaz? Someone who's been following Kamala Harris's career up close for nearly twenty years, interviewed her many times, know her a bit off the record. What did you learn about her that you did not already know? Well, the thing, thing, Joe, that struck me about the
2: book: uh, two things. One is, as far as those kinds of books go, and you and I, uh, every candidate who runs, yes. well, you know, a mandatory job thing is to write yes. that kind of book, <laughs> send it to. Someone who actually may read it, like <laughs> Joe Garofoli or myself, uh, they're usually deadly dull, de- de- deadly self-righteous, oh, and yes. every story leads with them being a hero. Uh, <laughs> Kamala's book is actually fairly readable. You yeah. know, it and it shows some of her vulnerabilities uh, and and you know personal vulnerabilities where she talked about uh, when she um, got into the Alameda County D.A.'s office on the condition that she passed the bar. She failed it the first time, yeah. and the humiliation she. Um, She felt I don't know that we learned anything new policy wise on Kamala Harris other than we don't need to make a false choice between (laughs) protecting workers and having a strong economy or having a false choice between uh, supporting the police or uh, supporting the the rights of uh, people in the community. but I think we did uh, – it, it was readable. She showed a little bit of herself, but I think part of her message discipline is she didn't want to go too far. This right. was not to be confused with, say, Barack Obama's Dreams from My Father. No, no. It's not a, uh, which it's was not written, a by the way, bef- well before – years before he ran yes. for president. I think uh, he certainly uh, would
0: not have written that knowing that he was a presidential candidate. But a good book. Very readable. Yeah, no, it was, it was it was definitely readable, and 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 I spoke with someone uh, the other night who's very close uh, to the to the Kamala Harris in circle, and they said that they felt it was very revealing for her, and as you say, someone who's who's guarded, and and it, and it went there. Um, now, what do you see as her as someone who knows her for many years? What what are her weaknesses going to be as a candidate when she goes out on the road in Iowa uh, and she in New Hampshire and and such? Um, what are her weaknesses going to be? Because she is a rookie politician. She's only been, you know, in a quote unquote politician for two years. She's been a, a prosecutor, uh, at the local level, state level, where she could kind of hide behind. Well, my job's a prosecutor. I don't want to get involved in the politics. What is her? What are her weaknesses going to be? Well, I think a couple things, uh, Joe. One is that she's trying to
2: thread the needle between being a progressive, but at the same time. Uh, being someone who's will, who is all-inclusive, who can expand that base in much the way that Barack Obama did. Uh, that is a tough uh, road to navigate in 2020 because the Democrats are going to be so determined to get somebody who's more clearly defined on the left. Um, my observation of her, and I've covered her and Gavin Newsom, as you point out before, uh, they ever ran for office, right. actually, or and saw them from their first office, is as Gavin has moved up the ladder, uh, Gavin Newsom, he has become bolder, more audacious, to use a word that he loves to <laughs> yes. use. Kamala Harris, if you look at her, her role as attorney general, twice elected, uh, she really pretty much kept in the safe zone. I mean, she'll talk about the, the mortgage crisis and what she did there. But that wasn't a particularly bold, difficult politically. You know, I, mean, right. I, I no question, it's difficult to work with the banks, but it wasn't necessarily risky politically. So I think she's going to have she's she's her challenge is going to be where do I define myself in this race? The second challenge that she's going to have is uh, can I relate to people? You know, we, we've heard yeah. with other candidates, likability is an issue. Uh, certainly, we, as we saw. You know, Saturday night at the Curren, uh, she's got a good sense of humor. She's yeah. quick on her feet. Uh, she can be very charming, uh, but will that translate with voters who otherwise are might might have vote might have might otherwise be swing voters? There are so many voters in 2016 who voted for Barack Obama in 2008, 2012, and then voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, the, those are the ones that she's going to have to recapture for the Democrats.
0: That was it was. It's funny because I think halfway through, or uh, you, you leaned over to me and said, "Wow, she's really she's really improved in terms of, um, of making that um, that transition to being you know more herself." Because when we see her away from the mic, she is that way. She's she's funny and she's you know she's she's she can actually have a conversation with you as a normal human being, which as we know, many politicians can <laughs> Um But Can she take that on the road? That's going to be her biggest challenge. Don't you think?
2: Yeah. And and as as you point out, Joe, I think it's something that she's clearly worked on. Yeah. Um, You know, I've seen her in so many situations over the last, uh, since she's been first ran for office as uh, San Francisco district attorney. Uh, Even in editorial board meetings when she would come in, she would be, she'd speak too fast. She would be kind of wonkish, um, you know, Th- throughout a lot of policy uh things. Uh I think what we saw Saturday night she clearly has uh developed um an ability to speak to a, a large crowd. That's a tricky audience what well, that what we not the crowd itself, yeah. but it's a tricky venue uh what we saw at the Current, because you're looking for that intimate, friendly um ingratiating conversation at the same time there were several thousand people there. So it's it was it was something to navigate. I thought she did quite well. And
0: I think she needs to, as someone who not only read read the book, but um, as someone who's watched her, her media appearances over the past week um, as as part of my day job, um, Joe Scarborough the other day on Morning Joe asked her, you know, the Roger Mudd question of, of uh, asked of Ted Kennedy famously, why do you want to become president? And Ted Kennedy goes like, well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> kind uh, of froze uh, uh, mumbled. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, froze him, uh, surprisingly. Um her answer to that, there's a core of it that's that's good. I think she needs to hone it down. Is that I want to make sure that everyone, that I can, ref- that my candidacy can reflect the fact that everyone can have power in this country had have have a, have a piece of the pie and. And I think she she needs just the fact that I can't repeat it well <laughs> it's not hope and change it's uh you know it's not something you can remember um so i there's something there, but I think she need that needs to be crystallized a little bit before she hits the road. Did you get the sense that we have that yet?
2: I don't know that she has honed it as a specific message, but I think you your point is right on uh Joe uh, Probably her most effective line along those. If I had to, if I were her political strategist, and I'm not, <laughs> uh, but but listening to all the things she said uh, that night, I thought one of the most effective was "We're better than this." Yeah, and and I could see that where that that would really translate well. In fact, I mean, obviously, she it's going to be a tremendous. Uh, uphill uh, fight for her to get the Democratic nomination. It seems like every 20 minutes CNN has breaking news, <laughs> breaking news. I'm waiting for Joe Garofoli to announce I'm, his candidacy. I'm waiting I'm waiting but but if she I, as we were sitting there at the current I was I was trying to visualize to project how would this personality contrast with Donald Trump in a debate in, an, in a general election? And if she can hold the kind of uh, command that she had on Saturday night, um, I think that would be a favorable comparison for the American people. I think people are getting fed up with his sort of – his stridency, his, you know, um, bullying. Uh, and and I think she as, – as we've seen with her in some of these nomination hearings with the Trump nominees, whether it's Brett Kavanaugh or Jeff Sessions, who she nearly brought to tears, the Attorney <laughs> yes, General of the United yes. States. Uh, I mean she – she has that prosecutorial style, but I'm not sure that that is what
0: wins presidential elections. No, no, that that doesn't. I mean, that's that's no nobody wants to hear that day in and day out. But I'm more curious about how she's gonna. How what's the difference between her and all these other Democrats? I mean, they all kind of are on the same in terms of policy. I mean, one way she stands out is she is will be the only woman of color. She is um, and and. And I mean, how how else do these folks differentiate themselves? They are all. I'm for single payer. Uh, you know, I health care is a right, not a privilege. Okay, they all say the same stuff. What's what's different about her? Is it going to be a? Can that personality, uh, you know, the the lighter side of the personality, seize the day, or what? What is it?
2: Well, step one in the Democratic primary is going to be a game of attrition, uh, and and that a lot of that is going to be driven by uh, opposition research. We've already yes. seen it. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Barely uh, finished talking with Van Jones, and we have the stories out about how uh, she was involved in some anti-LGBT things in Hawaii. I think we can pretty close, even though she hasn't formally announced yet. Joe, I think we can cross her out of the Democratic yes. primary. That 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 is baggage that she can't sustain. Um, Kamala Harris is going to have to deal with some baggage as well. What because, is she?
0: Gonna, what are her vulnerabilities? What are they going to come after her?
2: Well, I think a couple things. Uh, Without question are going to come up and it'd be interesting to see how she deals with them. She did not deal with either one in the book. One or particularly the Espinosa officer Espinosa was uh, shot and killed in San Francisco police officer
0: shot and killed in the line of duty.
2: She she almost immediately came out and said she was not going to bring the death penalty. Uh, I think that's going to have to come. That that will come up. She's going to have to explain that. And there was criticized and uh, in openly in public by one Senator Dianne Feinstein. In that same Senator D- Dianne Feinstein, who has uh, announced her support for Joe Biden, <laughs> yes. interestingly. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, that has to that has to be a little bit uh, painful. I think some of uh, also sanctuary city uh, mm. and sanctuary state, which she did uh, address in the book. But don't be surprised uh, if if some of the other candidates, even in a Democratic primary, want to uh, challenge some of her
0: decisions there. Yeah, that will be interesting. Some of the more conservative ones, uh, some of the more moderate Democrats, uh, who, who may be trying to jump in. Some of the chatter among the uh, political uh, uh, punditry uh, is that. Uh, some candidates, maybe like Harris and, and others, might be shooting for vice president. This might be, you know, she doesn't have the name recognition as a Bernie Sanders or maybe even a Warren. Could be she be shooting for number two, or do you get the sense this that she's going for the gold?
2: Well, no no question. I think she's in it to win it. If she can, it's it's going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, we mentioned some of her vulnerabilities in terms of opposition research. Another thing that, that she's going to have to overcome is the fact that, uh, she's only been in the Senate two years now. Uh, er- everything that she says she's "quote unquote" done in the Senate, achieved in the Senate, ha- has been introducing legislation as right. opposed to getting things things done. So that is going to be, uh, especially if she's uh, when she's against other other politicians, governors, and and senators who who have some skins on the wall. That is going to be something that she's going to have to answer for.
0: All right. Joe, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Tal Open, for being on the show from Washington. Thank you to John Diaz for being on the show from across the table here in San Francisco. Thank you to Libby Coleman for producing this podcast. It's All Political as part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have, is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crowsoft. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at SanFranciscoChronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at JoeGareFullman. Thanks.